0: We've been sort of loosely seeing that uh, the Lord's Prayer uh, that Jesus gave us, uh, the Lord's Prayer has the the basic elements of what the Psalms really e- expounds upon a lot. And we have elements of uh, praising the Lord and looking to Him and submitting ourselves to His will and asking the Lord for provision for our daily bread. Uh, we have themes of repentance that are in both the Lord's Prayer and in the Psalms, and so uh, in many ways the the Psalms really kind of expand upon the Lord's Prayer, and it really does teach us how to pray and in particular some of the uh the themes you see in the lord's prayer you see the psalms of praise or 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 themes of praise and themes of just thanking the lord and submitting to him and sometimes i think that in our lives we we forget to maybe praise the lord or thank the lord for what he's done we get very focused in on what's kind of before us what's in front of us and it's, it's kind of like this a little bit. You guys know the old uh, the, uh, little story of the, the frog that boils in water? You know that one, you know? So if you put a frog in a boiling pot of water, he's just gonna jump right out. But if you slowly cook him, it's really gross, but if you slowly cook him, he'll just die. And we usually use that in a very negative sense. And it's very true that you know you just kind of, you start maybe off in like in sin or something like that. And it's, it's, a, it's a tepid temperature and it's okay, it's not that bad. And eventually you find yourself further than you think. We usually use that as a way to kind of show negatively how we gradually get into literally just hot water. But I I wanna use that analogy today to remind you of something, that we can actually also see that very same thing happen in a positive way. And I think this happens to us a lot. Sometimes we forget what God has done for us. Sometimes we forget where he's brought us from. We, we sit there and we look at our life now and we might compare ourselves all to our, our Christian friends and the person sitting next to us or our spouse or something like that and, and we just, we have these comparisons. And maybe we're not exactly where we'd like to be. We still struggle with this sin or that sin. And sometimes we start thinking, well the Lord's not working in my life like he used to or like he is in these people's lives or in that person's life. How come I'm still dealing with this thing? But a lot of times sanctification is actually like a frog being boiled in water. If you start thinking back to where you were when you first got saved, when you first met Jesus, where you were spiritually, where you were physically, emotionally, mentally, you'll notice that much of the time sanctification is a very slow process. And you get down the road and you don't really think you've changed that much. You don't really see God's faithfulness in your life. You don't really recognize the evidences of grace, the way that he has spared you from this thing or that thing, or how you used to be this way or that way. You, you just kind of forget. This coming summer is my uh, 20 year high school reunion, right? So I'm just like, yeah, woo, yeah, is that a woo or what? I mean, 20 years, I'm going, man, what happened? And, I'm, and I know that if I was actually to be with those people, they would look at me and go, wow, you have changed a lot. Hopefully not just physically, <laughs> you know. <laughs> but when you, when you look back and you go back to that place, because I got saved when I was 18, none of my high school friends, at least when we went to high school together, knew me as a Christian. Some of them have become Christians since, and so we kind of know each other now. But, but for those who haven't seen me since high school, the, the, to, to them, I've gone from zero to 60. But to me, I've kind of gradually changed and grown throughout my life, and I get frustrated sometimes with where I'm currently at. Because I've forgotten what God has done. It's been so gradual for me that I just, I I miss it sometimes. I just, I don't see it. This last couple weeks, I spent some time with some different guys. And uh, a couple of these guys, I asked them to share their story of how God has redeemed them uh, with another friend. And as they shared their story, later on, I was asked them, I said, what was that like? What was that like, sharing that part of your story that was difficult to share? The Lord had redeemed uh, one guy and then another guy as well on a different occasion. The Lord has redeemed you from that, and you might not have talked about that for a while. And when I was, uh, I was actually just texting him after, after we hung out, and, and he said, yeah, it was, it was really weird. I've, I forgot that I was like that. I forgot that I was like the person that I was describing to the guy. And then a couple weeks later, I was meeting with another guy. I asked him to do the same thing. And he shared just where he was. And, and after we hung out, or we hung out later, just the, me and this guy, so he shared with another guy. And then later on, I was hanging out with him. All right? so you got it? All right? <laughs> and uh, <laughs> lots of different people I. And so we were sitting there, and I said, hey, so what was that like to, well, we haven't talked about, me and him have not talked about his story in, a, in quite a while. And I was reminding him of certain things that I remember from when I first began uh, counseling with him three years ago, four years ago, whenever it was. And I was reminding him of things, I remember when this happened, that happened, and you said this, and then he's like, I don't even hardly remember that anymore. And yet in the same day, I can talk with this guy and he can be so frustrated because he's not maybe changing the way he wants to. But then when we take just a, a little trip down memory lane he remembers what the Lord has brought him from. Maybe he's not quite where he wants to be yet, but he can at least remember that he was much worse off than he remembers being. And sometimes this is what we need to do, not in a way to drudge up the past or to live in the past or anything like that, but as a way to call us to remember the goodness of God. Sometimes we can only really know and recall and appreciate the goodness of God if sometimes we remember the badness of our sin. And again, not in a way to bring things up or to live in the past, but as a means to praise the Lord and to have the joy that we just sung about, to have that new song that we can sing from our mouths. Sometimes we have to look at the old song of our old life. So today, we're gonna be doing uh, this different thing that we kind of do to some degree here and there. But we're going through Psalm 107. In Psalm 107, the psalmist says, his steadfast love endures. God's steadfast love endures. So let the redeemed of the Lord, that's you and I, let the redeemed of the Lord say so. From time to time, maybe during the music, we'll kind of break the music down a little bit and, and I'll just ask you guys just to call out something, just a, a name of the Lord or a promise of God or something like that. And I'll, I might call it, I'll call it a say so. And that's where I get it from is Psalm 107. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Not just the guys on the stage, not just the pastor, not just the guy who's greeting, but let the redeemed of the Lord say so. And so we do that from time to time, and and even as we have people come up to read the Psalms, and we we do this because we want the redeemed of the Lord to say so and encourage the congregation. This is why also we meet in community groups in the middle of the week, so that you guys can say so to each other that God has redeemed you. So we're going to go through Psalm 107, and in Psalm 107, there's Uh, different stories of four different types of people that have been redeemed. And I'm gonna do a shorter sermon this morning because at the end of the sermon, we're gonna have a say-so. We're gonna let you guys speak. And so as we go through Psalm 107, I want you to be listening to the the words that are describing these people. And I want you to think to yourself, which one of these four potentially reminds yourself of you, where God has brought you from. And as we close, we're gonna just start playing some music, we're going to sing and respond to the Lord, but before we get into that, the, the final song, the final time of responding to the Lord in communion and song, we're going to give you guys an opportunity to have a couple guys with microphones, you don't have to come up on stage, all right, you can stay right there, you probably have to stand, but it's all volunteer, I'm not going to volunteer you to do anything, right, so you just raise your hand and we're just going to hear from you what the Lord has done, just a, a, a minute, 30 seconds, two minutes, whatever, we just want to hear from you the redeemed of the Lord, we wanna hear you say so today. So I'm gonna read just the opening verses of Psalm 107, not the whole thing, because it's long. Uh, I'm gonna read just the opening verses of Psalm 107, then I'm gonna pray, and then we're gonna start going through Psalm 107 together. So Psalm 107, verse one, we're gonna go just through verse three as we open. Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. His steadfast love endures forever. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so whom he has redeemed from trouble and gathered in from the lands, from the east and from the west, from the north and from the south. Father, this is the work that you are about here on this earth. You redeem sinners. You save the lost. You bring light to those who are walking in darkness. You bring life to those who are walking through the shadow of the valley of death, and you gather us from all different places, north, south, east, and west, so many different types of people, so many different types of testimonies. Not a single one of us are the same. We might go through similar things, maybe by topic or by feeling, emotions, but each story, God, each one that you have saved is different, is unique. And you sent your son, Father, so that he could experience what it is like to be human, to have pain, to have suffering and sorrow. So we could have a high priest who is sympathetic with our weaknesses, with our pains, and with our sorrows. And it's through his obedience, through his life, through his death, that we've been purchased through his blood, we've been redeemed we have been adopted and so now because we've been adopted, because we've been redeemed, Lord, today we wanna say so. We wanna declare your goodness. We wanna praise you, Lord, for all that you've done. Thank you, Lord, for everything that you've done for us, God, and for some of us we've forgotten. We haven't forgotten totally, but we need to be reminded of how far you've brought us. That we be patient with ourselves, been patient with the sanctification process, that we know that if we look back in our personal history with you, we'll be reminded that you are at work in us and you're still at work and you're gonna keep at work in us. You've remembered your covenant like we saw last week and you've commanded your covenant. You're gonna remain faithful. So we thank you, Lord. Help us this morning to say so. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, in these opening verses in Psalm 107, we see that it is the way that God saves each of us is really just incredible. It's just so dynamic, so diverse, so many different types of stories that each one of us have. Verse three gives us a little bit of hint of that that the psalmist is trying to even cover. Remember how last week I mentioned how the, the psalm from last week was in alphabetical order to, as kind of a, a picture to say that God is uh, complete from A to Z. Well, here he uses another type of uh, kind of analogy. He says that God saves from north, south, east, and west. He's saying that God's salvation is expansive, that no one is out of his reach. Doesn't matter where you live, what time frame you lived in, what religion you practiced before you were saved, what ethnicity you are, what social economic status you are, from north, south, east, and west, he's going to gather people in from all four corners of the earth. This is what he does, and he's good at it. He's perfect at it, and so we see the psalmist is wanting us to be reminded that God is this God who is able to save anyone he pleases. No one is hidden from his sight. No matter how deep you have gone in your life, his grace goes deeper. So from north, south, east, and west, God redeems people. He redeems people. And just a side thought that just kind of, just so you know, when I preach like, eight different thoughts come in my mind like at any given second, and I just have to stay really disciplined to keep going, I'm gonna divert for a second here. This, this reminded me, do you realize that here in America, we're a very, you know, we're a very Christianized nation historically, but you realize that this whole gospel spreading started in the Middle East 2,000 years ago, so we're actually the corner of the earth that the gospel is reached to? You understand that, right? Like, like we're not where it started, So the gospel began in Jerusalem and it went out and now we're the four corners of the earth. So this is already showing to be true that God redeems people from north, south, east, and west. We're in the west. And so over 2,000 years, this gospel has expanded and saved people on this new continent. not new to us anymore. But that just shows that God is at work in this world. This used to be an unreached place. And now it's been reached. And ironically, now the Middle East is very unreached. So now it's our turn to go back there and to the people who are unreached in the East. So everyone whom God, sorry about that, that's, you don't know how many of those thoughts come into my mind in 45 minutes, it's crazy. So one got away from me today. (laughs) I love you guys. Everyone uh, whom God has redeemed was in some kind of a trouble, some kind of calamity, some kind of problem, some kind of lostness, some kind of darkness. Some of it just know it better than others. Some of us, we've maybe gone through addictions or some type of perversions, unbridled passions. But also there's others that maybe live through a a life of self-righteousness or a life just of self-indulgent living, making you the center of your life, wandering and just living for self, looking out for number one, who is you. And you're generally a pretty good person, relatively moral, successful maybe, but also lonely, very empty, just a lot of self-worship, and so, We see this very dynamic, diverse type of people. Sometimes we make a big deal out of the really crazy testimonies, and it is crazy that God saves people with crazy testimonies, but it is just as crazy that God would humble a self-righteous person. It is just as crazy that God would undo a self-made man. So don't ever compare yourself to how much God is working or not working when you look at other people, because you have been just as saved as much as the prostitute, the murderer, the adulterer, the fornicator, whatever. And the truth of the matter is that all of us have some element of those types of sins in our life, some type of uh, sexual lust or greed, anger in our hearts. So before we start thinking that we're better than some of the other people who get saved, we're not. But God saves people from north, south, east, and west, from self-righteous, The totally self-indulgent, nothing can get past him. If he desires to save, he's going to save. Now, here in Psalm 107, I mentioned there's four different types of people that God has redeemed, and each one of these sections that we're gonna see starts with the word some, some people. Some are like this, some are like that. So, you'll see in verse four, verse 10, verse 17, and verse 23, it starts with some. So he's gonna start describing the different types of people that live on this earth. And then those sections are gonna go to this phrase that says, but then they cried to the Lord. Some people are like this and like this, but then they cried out to the Lord. You see that in verse 6, verse 13, verse 19, and verse 28. Some people are like this, and that's bad. This is bad news. But then this happens. So as we go through this, I want you to think to yourself as we go through these four, has God done this in my life? Has he done this in my life? Do you know what God has done for you? Is that real for you? And if so, maybe at the end of service, you ought to say so. So the first one we're gonna look at in verse four, this person is wandering aimlessly and empty. It says in verse four, some wandered in desert wastes, finding no way to a city to dwell in. Hungry and thirsty, their soul fainted within them. So the person described here is one that's been wandering through life. They've found nowhere to settle. Sometimes I'll meet with people and I'll describe this to them because I see them just kind of wanting to to find something, something to satisfy them. And I'll say, you know what you remind me of? You remind me of an airplane circling an airport looking for somewhere to land. And you can't find it. And so you just go around and round and round. You just can't settle on anything. Nothing satisfies you. And eventually, you're going to run out of fuel. You're going to crash and burn. Augustine, in a very famous quote, he says, You've made us for yourself, O Lord, and our hearts are restless until they find their rest in you. You will be restless. Like this person, like these, these some people, In verse four, you'll be restless until you find your rest in Christ Almighty. This person here in verse four can't find a city to dwell in, he says. And ultimately, this this speaks of Christ, but it even calls out the person who wanders without also the community of Christ. In the Old Testament and the New Testament, but a lot in the Old Testament, we see this phrase, the city, or sometimes the city of God. Or the city of Zion, and so often the city is a picture of God and God's people. And so these people are just wandering, they're not wanting to commit to God and the city, not wanting to rest in the city, because back then, it's a little different these days, but back then the city was the, the center of even religious activity, The city is where you would go. That's where provision was. That's where you could have markets. That's where you could have jobs. And that's also where, back in uh, the New Testament days, that's where the center of of churches were. That's where the synagogue was. It's interesting because the word pagan, the root word for pagan, actually means country dweller, someone who lives in the country because people who wanted to live out in the country, they wanted to be away from community. They wanted to be away from the city. They wanted to be away from religious activity so they would stay away. The, the root phrase, part of it is the word civilian because these people wanted to be about civilian life. They didn't want to be in the battle. They wanted this, the, the nice civilian life just out here where no one bothers them. So back in this time, Pagans didn't want to be in the city center because that's where the church was. That's where the believers were. That's where the community, that's where accountability was. So they wanted to live out in the country, be civilians, not engaged in the fight, the spiritual fight and battle that we're in. And so this person's wandering, not finding a city that they can dwell in and rest in. In Hebrews 12, verse 22, it says, you've come to Mount Zion and to the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem and to innumerable angels in a festal gathering, and to the assembly of the firstborn who are enrolled in heaven, which is us, and to God. So the city of God. We've been brought to the city of God through salvation. We've been brought to God, as it says in Hebrews, the judge of all, and to the spirits of the righteous made perfect, and to Jesus, the mediator of a new covenant, and to the sprinkled blood that speaks a better word than the blood of Abel. So some people are like... These people in verse four that don't find a city to dwell in. They just want to stay distant, stay apart. They wander the desert. They don't find their way to the community of God. They're hungry. They're thirsty. They'll run out of fuel eventually. They're restless, and eventually their soul faints. You can go a while unconnected to God and unconnected to his people, but eventually it catches up to you. If you have the Holy Spirit living inside of you, you were not meant to. To live alone. And I'm not saying like, you know, being married or having kids. I'm saying the community of God. You were not meant to wander in the desert. You were not meant to walk this life, the spiritual life, alone. You were designed to be called into the city of God. And Hebrews says, we've been called in that city where the saints assemble. So we... Look at this, this verse four, and we say, we don't want to be like the person who wanders in the desert, in the wasteland. We wanna be connected to the city of God. But then look, verse six, there's the good news. Verse six, but then they cried to the Lord in their trouble, and he delivered them from their distress. He led them by a straight way until they reached a city to dwell in. God's desire is that you would dwell in the city of God amidst the people. So let them thank the Lord for his steadfast love, for his wondrous works to the children of man, for he satisfies the longing soul and the hungry soul, he fills with good things. So they cry to the Lord and he answers. He brings them into the city to the people of God and, most importantly, to him. Some of you, myself included, at one point were disconnected to the people of God and to God himself. Some of you used to be that way, and then now you've been connected to the family of God and you're in community and you've even said to yourself, why didn't we do this earlier? It doesn't mean that your problems go away, it doesn't mean that everything is easy, but it makes it easier to get through the things of life when you've got brothers and sisters around you who lift you up, who encourage you, who pray with you, who just listen to you, sometimes when you just whine. This is what God has called us to do and to be. And, we, and so for those of you who have been disconnected and now are connected or being connected, you, you, know, you know this to be true. Yes, he is, he is satisfying my longing soul. I didn't realize how much I was longing. I didn't realize how much I was hungry. I didn't realize how thirsty I was until now I've been satisfied in the city of God. And some of you are still disconnected. And it just seems like something's just not quite clicking in your life. And, you know maybe that it's time to get a little more connected to God and to his people. So the encouragement here is if you call out to him today, say, Lord, give me the desire, give me the the strength to step out a little bit out of my comfort zone, call out to him, he will answer. In verse 10, there's some rebellion that that brought about isolation. Verse 10, some sat in darkness in the shadow of death, prisoners in affliction, and in irons. They rebelled against the words of God. They spurned the counsel of the Most High. So he bowed their hearts down with hard labor. They fell down with no one to help. So the first person maybe is wandering, but this person is being very specifically disobedient, disobeying the word of the Lord. They've become a prisoner of their own sin, willfully rebelled against God's word and went against even his wisdom. God in turn brought about consequences that were very difficult for them. There was some kind of consequence or some kind of circumstance that came about directly because of this sin. God is bringing a a discipline. So much so that these consequences were only ones that they could bear. No one could fix them for them. No one could take this burden that they were now bearing. They might even find themselves in isolation maybe separated from people that they love, people in their church family, whatever it might be, but they find themselves maybe with burned bridges. But look what happens in verse 13. But then they cried to the Lord in their trouble, and he delivered them from their distress. He brought them out of darkness and the shadow of death and burst their bonds apart. Let them thank the Lord for his steadfast love, for his wondrous works to the children of man, for he shatters the doors of bronze and cuts in two the bars of iron. So they also called to the Lord and he delivered them, brought them out of darkness, broke their bonds, even though some of them at one point were hugging their chains, he loosened their grip and he burst these chains apart. And in verse 17, Here we see sin that brings forth some kind of suffering and even near death. Some were fools through their sinful ways and because of their iniquity suffered affliction. They loathed any kind of food and they drew near to the gates of death. This person is similar to the previous one. Their sin took them further than where they set out. But this person seems to be suffering actual physical or mental affliction. They couldn't even eat, maybe because their sickness or disease was brought about by sin. They drew near even to death. Sometimes our sin actually does have health consequences, disease brought about by sin, some kind of illness. Now not all sickness is a direct result of your particular sin sometimes there's maybe a mixture in there you might think of something like liver disease from drinking for many many years a direct result of sinful habits and patterns or maybe lung cancer from years of just addiction ulcers maybe just from chronic worry and anxiety not trusting the lord but just worrying and taking life into your own hands Addictions to drugs and alcohol. Sexual sin that leads to STDs. Overeating. Undereating. Undereating sometimes that maybe is caused by just a fear of man or a desire for some kind of an image. Or to please other people. Wanting to please man more than pleasing God. Depression. Depression. Suicidal fixations. And again, it's not that all of these things are only and exclusively direct results of sin. Sometimes there's physical or mental things that are going on there. But I would say that very often, if not most often, some type of sin is also adding fuel to that, at very least. But look what happens in verse 19. Then they cried to the Lord in their trouble and he delivered them from their distress. Church, this is God's word. Okay, this is God's word. His word that is fixed in the heavens. So when we read this, we should believe this. They cried to the Lord in their trouble and he delivered them from their distress. He sent out his word and healed them and delivered them from their destruction. Let them thank the Lord for his steadfast love, for his wondrous works to the children of man. And let them offer sacrifices of thanksgiving and tell of his deeds in songs of joy. They cry to the Lord and he delivers them. He might not necessarily deliver you from physical ailment, at least in this life. He will eventually and ultimately and permanently and eternally. But he's gonna bring satisfaction to the soul. He's gonna bring the joy of the Lord. He's gonna bring you to a place of seeing him as being more beautiful than everything else, breaking these bonds apart, these addictions. He's gonna bring you closer to him in your time of trouble. Somehow, and we don't know how sometimes, but somehow, as we are gonna be singing later on during this morning, that he will make all things work together for good. With just a word, their souls are healed and saved from destruction. in verse 23, it says, some went down to the sea in ships, doing business on the great waters. They saw the deeds of the Lord, his wondrous works in the deep. For he commanded and raised the stormy wind, which lifted up the waves of the sea. They mounted up to heaven. They went down to the depths, their courage melted away in their evil plight. They reeled and staggered like drunken men and were at their wit's end. So this person, it seems, was just going about life, just doing business, going to work, maybe providing for their family. Nothing inherently sinful about this particular set of verses. In verse 27, it says they reeled like drunken men. Doesn't mean they were drunk, it just means that from being tossed they, they, they looked like they were drunk. So there's nothing really particular here that's sinful. They're just going about business, going about life. And then something happened. A storm came. The Lord brought about this great storm. We might not know exactly why the Lord brings in these things to our lives, death or cancer or financial instability, broken relationships. We don't know why the Lord might bring these things into our lives, but for some, everything or most things are all of a sudden just seemingly gone in life, including our our joy or maybe our purpose. And these things were out of their control here in in this section of verses, and sometimes that's what happens. Sometimes there's things completely out of control. It wasn't some kind of addiction that led to this calamity. It wasn't your foolishness and sin that led to this. Something's just completely out of your control, and there's nothing that you can do about it. And it wasn't necessarily because of sin or anything. But we do see in verse 27, though, that it's possible that they were going about life in their own strength. Maybe they were going around about business, making business first, making family first, First, above the Lord even, it's possible. And I I get that from from reading this little part here. It says, they came to their wit's end. Right, we've heard that phrase before. That's where it comes from, is the Bible. You know, I've come to my wit's end. What that means, if you think through it, it actually makes a lot of sense. You know, when you say that someone has a lot of wit, they're really maybe sharp, they're clever. Well, when you've come to the end of yourself, your own cleverness, your own smarts, your own wit, your own self-strength, when you come to the end of yourself, that's when you just give up. When you've come to the end of your own self-strength and your own intelligence, your own wisdom, your own way of doing things, all of a sudden you don't know what to do. So here's this person going out about business, they know how to sail, they know how to do business, but all of a sudden something comes in and their their self-strength, now they're just staggering like like drunken men. They can't even stand up straight. Their self-strength is gone, depleted. Their self-reliance is out the door. Something came on and just shook them to the core and they were at their wits' end, their intelligence' end, their wisdom's end, their knowledge's end. They just, they had nothing left. They were done. But look what happened. Verse 28. Then they cried to the Lord in their trouble and he delivered them from their distress. He made the storm be still And the waves of the sea were hushed. Then they were glad that the waters were quiet, and he brought them to their desired haven, into a safe harbor. Let them thank the Lord for a steadfast love, for his wondrous works to the children of man. Let them extol him in the congregation of the people, and praise him in the assembly of the elders. That's the congregational aspect of this. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Let these... These four people, these four types of people, let them extol him in the congregation of the people. Not just privately, not just to yourself. Oh, thank you, Lord. No, let's extol him to the congregation. Let's praise him in the assembly of the elders. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. And so this final word from the psalmist in verse 33 through the end. He says this, he turns rivers into a desert, so a very fertile, lush place, he he can dry that up in a heartbeat. Springs of water into thirsty ground. A fruitful land into a salty waste because of the evil of its inhabitants. He, He can do this in a heartbeat. He can take you and you're just going about doing life, living for yourself, and he can just take it all away. But he does this for a purpose. It's not just to be mean, it's actually because of his love for you. Sometimes the Lord brings calamity into our life as a means of discipline to bring about some kind of awakening, some kind of repentance. But in verse 35, it says the opposite. He turns a desert into pools of water, and a parched land into springs of water, and there he lets the hungry dwell, and they establish a city to live in. Church, at one point you were hungry And the Lord has given you a people to dwell with, a city to live in, even a local fellowship to find life in because God loves you because he doesn't want you to be alone. They sow fields, these these formerly hungry. Now they sow fields and plant vineyards and get a fruitful yield. By his blessing, they multiply greatly and he doesn't let their livestock diminish. And when they're diminished and brought low through oppression, evil, and sorrow, he pours contempt on princes and makes them wander in trackless wastes. In other words, he's gonna get revenge upon those who attack us. Maybe not in this life, but God will be the final judge. He raises up the needy out of, a, out of their affliction and makes their families like flocks. The upright see it and are glad and all wickedness shuts its mouth. Now, whoever's wise, let them attend to these things. Let them consider the steadfast love of the Lord. So if you're wise, or if you wanna grow in wisdom, Consider these things that the psalmist says. Consider the steadfast love of the Lord. Because there are many scenarios that God saves us from, but there's only one solution to all of them. And that's to call upon the Lord. Call upon the Lord, and he will answer you. A few weeks ago, we read Psalm 103. The psalmist reminds us this in verse 10. God doesn't deal with us according to our sins, he doesn't repay us according to our iniquity. As high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his steadfast love towards those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, that's how far he removes our transgressions from us. Psalm 130, verse three, if you, O Lord, would mark and count our sin, who could stand? But with you, God, there is forgiveness that you might be feared. You, You realize that he does not count your sin against you. If you could, you wouldn't be here. He has mercy. First Corinthians chapter six, verse nine. Don't you know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Don't be deceived, neither the sexually immoral, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor men who practice homosexuality, nor thieves, nor the greedy, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. None of them will inherit the kingdom of God. And we can look at that list and go, "Uh uh-oh. But look at verse 11. And such were some of you. But you were washed, you were sanctified, you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. John chapter 6, verse 35. Jesus said to the people, I'm the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger and whoever believes in me shall never thirst. But I said to you that you've seen me and yet you still don't believe. All the Father gives me will come to me And whoever comes to me, I will never cast out. For I have come down from heaven, not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. And this is the will of him who sent me, God the Father. This is his will, that I would lose nothing of all that he's given me. No one's gonna slip through my fingers but instead, I'm gonna raise them up on the last day. That's the will of my Father, that everyone who looks on the Son and believes in him should have eternal life, and I will raise him up on the last day. Isaiah 41:10. fear not, for I'm with you. Be not dismayed, for I'm your God. I'm gonna strengthen you, I'll help you, I'll uphold you with my righteous right hand. This is God's promise that he swore to himself. Psalm 91, verse 14, because he holds fast to me in love, God says, because you love me, God says, I will deliver him. I'll protect him because he knows my name. When he calls to me, I will answer him. I'll be with him in trouble. I'll rescue him and I will honor him. With long life, I'll satisfy him and show him my salvation. Second Corinthians chapter 1, verse 19, For the Son of God, Jesus Christ, whom we proclaimed among you, Paul says, speaking to Silvanus and Timothy, he was not yes and no, change in his mind, but in him it is always yes. In Christ, it's always yes. The answer to the promise is always yes. God, will you still do this? Yes, God, are you sure you can do that? Yes, the answer is always yes in Christ. That is why, Paul says, it's through him that we utter our amen to the God of our glory. We utter amen because it's through him that we get the yes. So we utter our amen to God for his glory and it is God who establishes us with you in Christ and God has anointed us. Church, I want you to realize this. You have been anointed by God Almighty. Anointing is not for special people in the church. Look what this verse says. It is God who establishes us with you in Christ and has anointed us. We've all been anointed because we are saved. We've been anointed by son, with sonship and daughtership because of Christ, who also has put his seal upon us and given us his spirit in our hearts as a guarantee. The Holy Spirit is inside of you as your guarantee. There's no gift receipt when he purchased you. He's not gonna take you back, back to the store, back to the shadow of death and say, I don't want this. Yes and no, I don't want this anymore. No, it's yes always because of Christ. Now I want you to look before we have our say-so here. There's a command in all four of these, verse 8, 15, 21, and 31. Let them thank the Lord for a steadfast love, for his wondrous works to the children of man. He satisfies the longing soul, and the hungry soul he fills with good things. Verse 15, let them thank the Lord for a steadfast love for his wondrous works to the children of man for he shatters the doors of bronze and cuts in two the bars of iron. Verse 21, let them thank the Lord for a steadfast love for his wondrous works to the children of man and let them offer sacrifices of thanksgiving. You know why? Here's another one of those weird thoughts that just entered my mind. You guys get two today. Do You know why it's called a sacrifice of thanksgiving? I mean, it's not that hard to say thank you, right? What's What's the sacrifice there for? When you say thank you, you're saying that you owe someone something, it's a humbling thing because whatever they're giving you, you can't get unless they give it to you. You're at their mercy. You say thank you for something, it's because someone just gave you a gift, so the sacrifice is this humility to say, you didn't have to give me that, and I just wanna thank you. A, A true thank you should have humility in it, and that's a sacrifice because now we have to put our own self aside and humble ourselves before someone to say, thank you, you didn't have to do that. You did not have to do that. So let us offer sacrifices of thanksgiving and tell of his deeds and songs of joy. Verse 31, let them thank the Lord for his steadfast love for his wondrous works to the children of man. And here's what we're gonna do now. Let them extol him in the congregation of the people and praise him in the assembly of the elders. So let's do this now. Uh, I, I want the, the band actually to come up Uh, As we just go into this time, as we just respond to the Lord in this time of worship, and as we go through just this hearing from us, from the church, from the people, from the assembly of the saints, I just want this to be a time of worship for us. That as you hear someone else just share 30 seconds, a minute, two minutes of what God has done, thank the Lord for what he has done in their life, and thank the Lord for what he's done in your life. Let's thank the Lord this morning for his steadfast love, for his wondrous works that he's shown to the children of man. We want to do this together, extolling him in the congregation of God's people. And circling back to verse 1 through 3, the beginning of this psalm, give thanks to the Lord for he's good, for his steadfast love endures forever. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so, whom he, has, whom he has redeemed from trouble and gathered in from the lands, from the east and from the west, from the north and from the south. I have a couple guys that have uh, the wireless mics. They're just gonna start going around the room. So if you guys just wanna raise your hand, they're gonna come up to you. They're just gonna share, or you're gonna share with them what the Lord has done. And I just want you to encourage your church family this morning Who's the first victim? (laughs) Raise your hand nice and high, too.
1: Hi, everyone. Uh, My name is Bill Zymott, and I've been coming here now for about two years uh, with my niece and her husband. And uh, in December of 2013, uh, in the midst of the holiday season, my wife fell ill with cancer and within five days she was gone and it put a darkness over me uh, we were married for almost 34 years when this happened and uh, I ended up uh, putting everything I had uh, up for sale moved from Arkansas back here to California to be with family and from coming here for the last two years, it's uh, It's lifted that veil of darkness from my heart and uh, I, I feel refreshed in God and uh, And now I'm able to move on with my life um, Unfortunately, it, it won't be here with you all uh, I'm going to be moving back to uh, Arkansas in another month um, I have a lot of friends back there, and it just works out for me financially, but I plan on finding a church family back there that I'll be able to share with and uh, to grow with. So I just want to uh, thank you all, and I want to give thanks to uh, our Father in Heaven for uh, lifting that veil of darkness from my heart. Amen. Amen.
2: Doesn't diminish God's glory but what it does is it um, it prevents it from shining a light on his glory when we, f- we forget where we came from so I was um, the self-absorbed self-righteous uh, person that you spoke of um, and I think Job you know this when I first started going to the to the movement I avoided people I intentionally did not want to talk to anybody um, if someone came up to talk to me for any reason at all I quickly dismissed them okay? I was detached from God I was detached from my church and so when I look back at that now I pondered that this morning as you were going through the sermon and so I look and I can see God's glory in the change, in myself. Um, Now I find myself um, no longer detached from God or from people, okay, I'm not detached from my church. Um, As I go through my day, um, I find myself continually connected with God and with people. So no matter what happens, whether it's good, bad, I find myself in sin, or I see someone at the grocery store, maybe a young mother who's having trouble with her child. I find God coming to me um, in all of those situations, and it causes uh, me to break out in silent prayer, or just thank God, or ask for forgiveness, and that's my default thought pretty much all day as I as I go through and so that's to God's glory Um, and so thank you Joby for reminding us I think we do need to look back because we will forget and so I see those times in my life I see the change that God has made in my life because I don't think what I just described is possible So when you look at sin and being broken down, um, <clears throat> which of course
3: it's
1: hard. Um,
2: but what I've learned is you can run from the sin, but you can't have to run from yourself.
4: Most of you know me, and uh, I've been all four of these people that we've talked about today in my life. I've I've gone through storms. I've uh, wandered through the desert. I've been self-righteous. I've been, you know, bitter, cynical. But the one that stands out the most is rebellion. I've, I've been a child of God since I was 12 years old. But yet, I've lived my life in constant rebellion and and followed my own sin rather than following Jesus. But since the inception of Life Mission Church, when I came here, I found a city. And I wasn't wandering anymore. And I wasn't rebellious anymore. I gave in because I knew I belonged to God. I didn't belong to myself anymore. And this church has changed my life. It's taken that rebellion and humbled it. It's made me into a servant, into just realizing that I belong to God, and without Him, I'm nothing. And I praise Him and thank Him for that.
5: Just like Tim, you just shared, I was thinking I've, in all my life, have been all four as well. Um, The one that I was thinking about that was coming to its wit's end. I mean, that's when you're all four of those at some point or before you know the Lord. To come to the Lord, to be redeemed by the Lord, we have to come to our wit's end. And when I was 15 years old, I lost my mom. so sad you're leaving. I want to hang out with you before you go. Um, I was laying on my bed and I thought, I will never laugh again. Um, I might fall over. Hold on. (laughs) Um, I know I am. I'm sorry. Um, But the Lord, I know it's the Lord now. He led me to his word and I opened in the middle. I know. I know I'm shaking. I don't know. (laughs) I read, um, He will turn your morning into dancing. And I never, I didn't know anything about the Bible. I didn't know what the difference was from Genesis to Revelation, but I knew that I believed that was true. And I know now that was the Holy Spirit. Um, and that was the beginning of Him redeeming me um, so that I can stand up here now and say, Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Um, you gotta hold this for me, got this is weird. <laughs> Um But I also want to thank um, my dad who. Um, led us to um, a community of church. So we, um, it it wasn't this church, you know, it was 20 years ago. It will be 21 years this year. Um, But without a community of people, there's no way that we could come together in this congregation. Like the psalm says, let the congregation gather together with the elders and say so. Um, And so my earthly father led me to my heavenly father. And, um, I'm going to volunt- tell him to share because he has a lot to share. They keep
3: moving the church, and I live in Oceanside. I, I get the point. Um, <laughs> come, come back up here. Back up here. Um, Uncle Billy, you kind of inspired me because uh, I've been thinking a lot about grace, and it'll be 21 years Mother's Day. And uh, that was a, um, a BCAD. moment for me in my life, I mean from total brokenness and one of the things that I've been thinking about the last several days is God's grace and there's some attribute of it that we don't call grace or think of it as grace but not knowing what the future is going to be like in my deep brokenness I was so broken if I would have known how long it was I don't know if I would have been able to make it to the other side so um It's so awesome that the Lord doesn't tell us everything. And that's extra grace that I never knew at the time because I kept asking why, 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 why. And it's better not to know some of those things because we can't handle it. So I'm going to miss you too, Billy.
6: A, a young man, I had the, uh, <clears throat> the worst combination of uh, haughtiness and ignorance and would use my voice in the worst way to mock God and to mock God, uh, who, who God sent to me um, to give me truth. I would just use every four-letter word possible. demean them and try to shame them to go away down hard and just just leave me alone and now he has changed me to uh, to such an extent that one of the greatest joys I have is when we sing great truths about God I use the same voice, this redeemed voice, to try to sing those songs. Sometimes those songs are so meaningful to me that uh, I end up lip-syncing, lip-syncing because I, there's nothing will come, come out because I'm so overwhelmed by the truths that we sing.
7: Try to get started. Dependent on us, and he so clearly wants our acceptance. And he um, doesn't, he doesn't, when he came here, he didn't understand that we're not going to give him back. We adopted him because we love him, and nothing he does is going to change that. And you know, we hear the stories of you're adopting him that's just it's the same thing that God does for us and really it doesn't even sink in until you understand until you're in it and you and you and you see this little boy that's just he just wants to please us he just wants us to to accept him and God he, he does that freely for us he, you know so just just seeing Timmy walk through life with us he is just a perfect example. I mean, literally, people say it, but you don't understand it until you experience it. And he's he's beat up when he doesn't feel like he did the right thing, but he's so excited when he does the right thing. And and, and I'm sitting here thinking, I'm, you're never going away, you're always mine. And so it's just a really, uh, just really kind of, I don't know, give me a clear, real clear picture of who God is. Is a love for us. So. Have
0: yeah. <clears throat> one more. We have a church now. Church. <laughs> there we go. Uh, Judy, I was waiting for you.
8: <laughs> Hi, I'm Judy. Um, Recently, my husband and I have been going through some storms, bad storms, and God prevailed through this wonderful church and brought us even closer together in just four sessions. That's how wonderful God is, and without God, I have nothing. In this church has been wonderful. Um, it's, I've gone to many different churches, but this is the most at-home church I've ever felt. And um, I praise God for leading me here. And in my past, He saved me from alcoholism, which I was on death's door. So. I can't do nothing but praise God.
0: Amen. 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 Church, the redeemed of the Lord have said so this morning. Amen.